And welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is March 23rd, 2020. This is episode 288. My name is Scott Magnus. And this is Jake English. And on this week's show, we'll try to reduce the amount of social distance between you and your favorite baseball teams. We'll also, um, I, I don't know, we'll, we'll figure something else out. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this week? I am drinking a fancy boxed wine. That's right. I'm drinking the Red Revolution uh, wine from Boda Box. It's their uh, blended red. So uh, I'm doing a Brewdog uh, Elvis juice. Um, has mm. a grapefruit peel in there, um, American IPA, uh, a nice spring beverage, one that is great to pop open right before you watch or listen to the baseball game on the radio. Um, just a really good way to celebrate baseball season beginning once again. <laughs> yeah, this is opening weekend or opening week after all. Absolutely. So if you want to find out what we're drinking on a weekly basis or on a daily basis at this point, uh, check us out on Untapped. I'm at MAGN8606. I'm at JakeE4025. And with that, let's go on over to the medical wing. All right, we are still talking about COVID-19. It's got the news that came out this week, at least in regards to baseball, is that Major League Baseball has announced that it has a plan to support minor league players impacted by the shutdown uh, with giving players uh, some sort of lump sum equal to the allowances that they would have paid uh, through April 8th. We talked last week about some of the efforts that Major League Baseball has made in charitable contributions, and we said, hey, are they doing enough? And our answer was, well, probably not, but let's give them some credit and let's see if it's the only thing they do. I kind of feel like this is in the same vein, don't you? Uh, It's clearly not enough to just do this, but if they're starting with this, uh, it's a good sign. What do you think? I think it is, you know, in aspect, someone rooting around in their pockets for some loose coin change and instead they found a button and they decided to drop it into the bucket. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's nice that they did it. But in reality, a, a button is not going to help them basically have a standard cost of living. I was naked and you gave me no button. Yes. Uh, plenty of other things going on with COVID-19. Obviously, you know, we want to be serious about this. We want to make sure that we are encouraging everyone to act responsibly. Uh, but to be honest with you, I just, I just can't COVID-19 anymore. Is there anything else going on in the medical wing actually doing with players? I mean, it's interesting to see the rampant sweep of Tommy John surgery going through. We, we obviously Mm. saw it, um, with Chris sale, of course, getting, um, Tommy John surgery. Um, you know, interesting because it comes back to, you know, they're going to be out for the entire season, but it pointed me things is it that big of a deal like if you're looking this is the year to do it this is the year to do it exactly so in reality i feel like maybe some teams are saying let's go ahead and just knock it out even though 
it could impact this season. It's a better time to do it this season than the next season. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I just want to go back. Are we sure that Chris Sale is having Tommy John surgery or did he not like his uniform? Uh, it could be both, actually. He might have just been like, I don't like this so much that he was trying to rip it off. And uh, by doing so, um, he might have injured himself. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Question for you. Uh, we talked last week about Trey Mancini having a procedure. He's apparently uh, doing as well as, as we could hope. Do you think the fact that players are out of the limelight, the microscope is off them, so to speak, is better for his privacy during his recovery or worse? Do you think it's a bigger story because we have nothing else to talk about? Or do you think the fact that uh, the fact that everything else in the world is going on right now is better for Mancini as he, he works on recovery? I honestly think it might be better off than um, when it was in recovery. Um, if we think about the daily grind, as it were, in terms of you know, filling up a broadcast for three hours, I can't help but think that it's something that would constantly come up during a three-hour broadcast. Um, I have a feeling like the beat writers would be checking in with him more often. Uh, I, I think this is a situation where there is a, a greater issue at stake. Um, and again, that's nothing on Trey in terms of this whole situation. But there's a greater matter at stake as it relates to the entire population um, rather than just one baseball player. So I actually think it's a really good situation for Trey um, to get everything situated and taken together as much as he can with his family. Um, and in essence, let the rest of the world burn around us. <laughs> well, keep in mind, Trey, we are still thinking about you and, and pulling for a full recovery. Yeah, I mean, just tough, tough situation. So let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. Jake, why don't you start us off? I want to start with a tweet that comes from Tom Jones. He tweets at Steel Baru. He asked us at Birdseye UBAL, what games do we watch? Simply AJ10's last game in Baltimore. This, of course, is a reference to MLB making its 2018 and 2019 seasons free to watch on MLB.com. I have to say, as an Orioles fan, kind of disappointed that it only goes back to our worst seasons in recent memory but a great idea we talked about this a little bit on the show last week uh i'm really glad to see that mlb is making games available and uh even though they're terrible oriole game or seasons they're they're nice little nuggets in there to watch so uh make sure that if you are missing your orioles you go out and get your fix on mlb.com folks if this wasn't a baseball podcast it would be a beatles podcast first and foremost and when we come across Beatles Twitter, Intersports for Sports, well, Jake, I'm going to let you take this next one from Craig Calcaterra, at Craig Calcaterra, who, well, he's got a got an opinion and or a theory um, as it relates to the Beatles. So why don't you go ahead and enlighten us? Well, first of all, like the rest of America, I think Craig needs to stick to sports. Craig was responding to a tweet that asked, let's say you meet someone who'd never heard of the Beatles before. What are the first three songs that you play them? Now, this is a real question. This is a serious question. It demands real consideration. What did Craig do? He made a mockery. He made a mockery of it, Scott. His response was, come give me Dinah Han, which is the German version of I Want to Hold Your Hand. Wild Honey Pie, which is a ridiculous half song on... Uh, the Beatles' White Album. And the third selection was Revolution 9, which is a ridiculous oversong from the White Album. 
He goes on to say, my aim would be to convince this strange person that the Beatles were an avant-garde shock band, like the Residents or something. Stick to sports, Craig. Stick to sports. All right. So, Jake, if you had to pay, play three songs for someone, uh, what are you going to go with? Sure. This is really a question about approach. The easiest way to do it is to make it clear that there is an early period, a middle period, and a late period. And so, of course, there are great songs in all of that, and that's fine. The late period, I would pick Hey Jude. The middle period, I would pick Norwegian Wood. The early period, I would pick, mm, we'll call it uh, I Saw Her Standing There. Okay. See, I only need two songs, really, to, in essence, convince somebody um, of the Beatles. I'm going to pick uh, Don't Pass Me By. I'm going to pick Octopus's Garden um, as my, my two songs that uh, I'm going to go out there to basically convince someone to listen to the Beatles going forward. You're a terrible person. <laughs> I don't like you at all. I don't. I don't like you. At all. I'm surprised you didn't go with. Uh, you know my name. Look up the number. I, I was thinking that, but I decided just to keep it those two um, because it wasn't uh, a pitching change. No, it wasn't a pitching <laughs> change. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, uh, next tweet. Um, I'll take this one. Um, this comes from Adam Barry. You can follow him at Adam D Barry. Pirates players purchase 400 plus pizzas plus pasta from Slice on Broadway. And Pizzeria Debedid today and had it delivered to Allegheny General Hospital for lunch. Oh, that's awesome. Players came up with the idea on their own to show support for hospital workers and a couple local businesses. So, Jake, um, this raises the question Is it Alfredo's Pizza or is it Pizza by Alfredo? <laughs> this is a great question. This is the eternal question, is it not? I think that's awesome. This is such a, a difficult time. Uh, everybody is anxious. Everybody's stressed out. And I think in, a, in many ways, each of us wants to just find a way to contribute to do something uh, great for these players to have found a, a way to contribute. And I hope that this spreads. I hope that we see more stories as we're all locked away in our houses, feeling on edge, that humanity is not necessarily broken by this. So good on the Pirates. Absolutely. Good on the Pirates. No question about it. All right, next tweet um, comes from, oh, it's Kevin Brown. Uh, why don't you go ahead and take this one, Jake? Kevin Brown. See, Scott, this is on me. There are many tweets that we could have picked, and so I'm not going to pick a specific one. I'm just simply going to tell you, if you are not following Kevin Brown, at Kevin N, as in Nancy, Brown, you are making a mistake. Wait, is his real, middle name really Nancy? I, I hope so. Okay. I hope so. Um Kevin Brown has been producing a bit of content uh, since since sports and the rest of civilization went into hiding. He's now doing a simulated NCAA bracket right now and reporting on it as if it were really happening. And it is a lot of fun to watch. Little short clips. He's clearly just trying to keep himself busy and have a good time and have a good time with the rest of us. So if you are not following Kevin Brown, please do so. But again, Scott, this is about my failings. And my failing is this. When he first arrived to the Orioles booth, I was a little worried that he wasn't going to have the kind of personality I could connect with. You know, I had grown up listening to John Miller. I had grown up listening to Joe Angel and, and Fred Manfra. And, you know, against a personality like Joe Angel's, I was worried that, you know, Kevin Brown was just going to be too vanilla for me to be able to connect with. Shame on me. At Kevin N. Brown. 
Click the follow button. Do it now. Jake, when you follow Kevin and you listen to Kevin, do you say to yourself, that could have been me? <laughs> no, I'm I'm not that good. Okay. I'm I'm not that good even a little bit. But with a little bit of massaging and toning from your Catholic years, um you could have been there, right? No. Okay. No. You just never had that skill set. No. I never had a skill set, much less that skill set. You have a skill set. It's called podcasting with me. <laughs> All right, last tweet. Uh, This is from Gary Sheffield Jr., who tweets at Gary Sheffield Jr. The Baltimore Orioles will be tied for first in the AL East on June 1st. What a turn of events. Look, I see what you've done there. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. But I'm all right with it. Bring bring me all of your gallows humor. Listen, we don't quite know if, you know, Major League Baseball is not going to be playing on June 1st. I mean, they said only till May 15th, so you never know. The Orioles may not be in first place as of June 1st. Yeah, but Scott, will Chris Davis still be there? Mm, that's a good question. I think I said June 15th. That's going to be really awkward uh, if the season hasn't started by then. <laughs> oh, well. All right. So those are the things that are happening on the Twitters. But I ask you, Scott, what is happening in real life? In the real life? Let's take a quick break and come on back and, and, and find the answers to that question. Okay, Scott. So there isn't a ton going on, but there's real news taking place when it comes to the Baltimore Orioles. Little things are happening, and so we figure we might as well stitch them together and and do a segment out of it. Look, this may not be the most earth-shattering Orioles discussion that's ever taken place. But this is bird's eye view. Welcome, by the way. Um, but you know, we we need to at least address address some of this stuff. So let's talk about some of the roster items that have percolated in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the Orioles recently optioned to AAA uh, Hess, Mountcastle, Mullins, and Ramon Urias, uh, who, who you said was a person that did not exist. The roster is now trimmed to 50. I, I think this is interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, first, we talked about the slim possibility of Mountcastle being on the, on the roster. You knew it wasn't going to happen. I wasn't convinced. We talked about the slim possibility of Hess being involved in the discussion for the rotation. Now we know that's not going to happen. But my question to you is this, Scott. How in the world do the Orioles have enough information to make roster decisions at this point? Um, I think they're just going to play conservatively, and none of those players, in essence, had that great of a spring training to make you think that they were going to be Major League Baseball players. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I get you. I get you. I think as the cuts come, it will be more and more gut feeling and less and less information. And and not even, you know, that, that's not a that's not an old season one bird's eye view discussion between the the gut and the statistics. It's it's more of like you don't even have games to watch anymore. At this point you're just going on track record and where people are on their workouts from home, I guess. 
I don't envy anybody in this situation. It's a real bummer if you're a player and you get cut from the team when you haven't had the opportunity to prove that you belong there. And it's a real bummer for the coaching staff and the organization to make decisions based on on very little. I do wonder if it'll come down to to considerations like options and things like that. You know, what's the least costly move to make from an organizational standpoint because there's no baseball? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the rest of those names on there, too, um, they also had the lowest score as it relates to MLB show the ratings, too. So (laughs) um, I think the Orioles just basically said, we're just going to allow the roster be manipulated accordingly to what the video game is telling us to do. Scott, I have a confession to make. I broke down and I bought MLB The Show 20, and that is unlike me to the extreme because I am horrifically cheap and buy used games because they feel new to me and I don't have to spend $60 on them. Uh, but I, I, I fell for it. I missed baseball so hard I dropped 60 bucks on a, on a video game. And, and how did so, it make you feel? used uh, a little dirty but it's it's fun so it's kind of like your wife when she wants to do something with you no it's more like the orioles make me feel that way in general oh, okay gotcha yeah is there anything- i know it's i know it's fake is there anything else going on that you wanted to talk about well there are a couple of notes this comes from rockabaco who talked about the possibility of matt leblanc and tommy malone actually making it in the rotation and i have to be honest with you i did not give those guys much of a chance to be in the rotation i thought that maybe one of them would would make it as a swing guy in the pen um but i I thought it was far more likely that the rule five guys would be in, in that place it sounds like from from what I'm getting from again, this is from Rock, that both LeBlanc and Malone uh, seem to be in line to to make the rotation. I, I've got to be honest, I'm I'm pretty surprised by that. Should, am I just dumb, or or is this d- does that match your expectation? Can it not be both? <laughs> it can be both. TacoGirl.gif. I mean, uh, I, I guess it comes back to in a limited starting sample size. Um, you know, you go with the veterans as opposed to an unproven commodity. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I'm not sure we like what these guys have proven themselves to be. I mean, uh, and it, there's and not maybe, much to talk about. I mean, it's, it is it is what it is. I mean, there's not any baseball going on, so you just look at them and say, I guess they'll be okay, and if they're not, then we'll just release them going through mid-July. So, again, is it is it something that we should get hung up on? No. Is it a nice article for Rock to write to meet his quota? Absolutely. Good for Rock. Are you saying that when there's nothing happening, it fills both the internet on page and internet on podcast? Exactly. All right. Uh, Here's another thing that I was surprised about. Maybe this has to do with Trey Mancini uh, not going to be there for, for some time. Mason Williams is getting some traction for making the club either as a fourth outfielder. You know what? Stop, 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 stop. We are not spending time on this podcast talking about Mace Williams. There is so much things to do in this world, so many things to consider, especially with the you know whole situation that inside. We're not going to have this discussion about the Orioles. We're not going to talk about Mace Williams. At this time of nothing going on in the world of baseball, what is there to talk about? This has to be one of the dumbest things that we've talked about, Jake, is Mason Williams on this podcast. And we talked a lot about a lot of dumb things here. I mean, you've sung... Countless songs, Jake. Countless songs. And some of them good, uh, a lot not so good either. So, um, you know, again, 
if we're going to go to and talk about Mesa Williams, I, I might have to walk away from this show whatsoever. Look, I'm putting my foot down. I, I'm taking over. We're going to go to shtick, Jake. So today, the state of Maryland inched closer to what many people assume is only a matter of time, a shelter-in-place order. Instead, the government shut down all non-essential businesses anywhere, which got a few people kerfuffled. Um, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Um, but it brings us to the question, and it raised a lot of questions out there um, when this was put out. What is your essential versus non-essential business as an Orioles fan? So a great example of this, Jake, is um, obviously we remember back the controversy a few years ago when Natty Bo was ripped out of the ballpark and people lost their mind and said, it is essential for me to be able to go to Oriole Park at Camden Yards and be able to drink a Natty Bow. And if I can't have that experience, then it's not like I'm at a baseball game. And yet people still came to baseball games and people still paid $8.50 for whatever other watered-down product that wasn't Natty Bow. So, Jake, let me ask you this question. What is your essential versus non-essential business as an Orioles fan? Okay, that's a good question. Certainly better than talking about Mason Williams, unless, of course, we're going to do Mason Williams fan fiction, in which he donates money to, to expand the public library in Pawtucket. That is important, Scott. Um, essential business for the Baltimore Orioles, for me, uh, comes down very simply to collecting more Orioles Hawaiian shirts. Uh, that is essential to my business as an Orioles fan. Uh, it, it, it checks so many boxes. First, it, it shows my love of the baseball team. Secondly, it ensures that I don't have to buy additional clothing. And third, and possibly most importantly, it makes my wife angry when she sees them. And if I can combine those three things into a free giveaway from the baseball team, that is that is essential business. So, Jake, what you're telling me is if the Orioles were to come out with a Hawaiian puffy vest, that would be essential for you. I love what I'm hearing right here. We need to get on the phone with the Orioles right now and and let them know. So Jake, All right, so if so that is one of your, your essential if, if that's one of your essential giveaways, what's one of your non-essential giveaways? What's one thing that you're just like, you know, that's something that I could take or leave? Look, we're going to get hate mail about this, but I do not I'm not a bobblehead person. Yeah. And I do not find that to be essential business. I do not need anyone nodding at me appreciatively or sarcastically from my shelf. No. No, bobbleheads, not essential business. What, you're telling me you don't like the Brian Roberts, Melvin Moore uh, bobbleheads? No, they, no, no, I, I don't. I don't indeed. I, I'm definitely in the non-essential um, aspect as it relates to floppy hats. Used to love mm. them, not feel them anymore. So um, that that's my uh, non-essential. Uh, Jake, uh, in terms of me having an essential versus non-essential opinion, one of my essential aspects is to be able to bring food into the ballpark. It is something mm. that I grew up with as a kid, being able to stop outside the stadium, get a hot dog, bring a soda in. In this day and age, it's stopping by Wawa to grab a sub. Um, in the case of your wife, it's bringing hummus into the ballpark, which still weirds <laughs> me out beyond belief. Um, but that's my essential aspect. And I think my non-essential standpoint is going and having to buy sticky and drippy ice cream that costs five dollars for my kids and having it melt all over my hand and all over them and turns into an ooey gooey mess right in the middle of july and august so that's my non-essential business as it relates to being an orioles fan 
So they are not a sponsor, but Wawa is a great pregame stop. Oh, great pregame stop. Absolutely. No you question. Get everything you need into one bag. Put it's in your, awesome. Put in your backpack and go right through it. Um, absolutely. I, I will say I'm a little bummed. You know, it's not that I'm cheap, but it's a lot like that. Um, I just don't buy food at the ballpark. And I, I don't buy that much beer either. But the Orioles have done a lot in the last few years to really increase the choice of food at the ballpark. And I would argue the quality of food at the ballpark. It's just a shame I'm such a cheapskate. Yeah, I mean, I would come back to that point of um, there are many a times in the past that I said I am unwilling to spend yeah. money. Um, and now there are plenty of options out there, even to go grab like a kid's dog, for example, for a reduced cost where I'm almost like, if my kid wants something to eat, I'm willing to go get them a kid pretzel or a kid hot dog and basically eat some of the money and be like, well, it's okay um, if they want to do this. It's kind of a, a nice little treat. Um but, you know, I, I still am hesitant to go out there and pay, you know, $10 for a hamburger that is going to be absolutely garbage. Um, but there are various things within the concourse um, that are a reasonable value, as it were. Well, we're also missing the most essential of food options at Cannon Yards. An absolutely bit of essential business at Cannon Yards when it comes to food is Dempsey's. Yeah, Dempsey's is a great place to go. And I'm I'm a person that, that used to hate being away from the ball game it, for any reason. But one of the, the great joys uh, since Dempsey's has been there is to go to Dempsey's in the middle of a, a single admission doubleheader to maybe miss the first or second, you know, first two innings of the second game because you're eating uh, an actual meal and then to go back into the ballpark. But even, you know, to get into the, the restaurant, you know, right before the game, uh, Dempsey's is is a, is a good place. I, I was skeptical of it, but I, I'm, I've been converted. It is essential Orioles business. All right. So um, what other essential slash non-essential aspects do you have, Jake? Well, I'll tell you a bit of essential business for my Orioles fandom is late night West Coast trips. I know that not everybody loves it, but I am a night owl despite the fact that I'm, I'm getting older and I'm getting whinier, I love West coast games. Again, it's, it's me time with the ball game it, with the ball club. It is, it is quality time. Everybody else is in bed. It's just me emoting over grown boys, hitting balls with sticks. Uh, but it's even better when it goes to ridiculous extra innings and I have no excuse to be as tired as I am the next day for me, essential, Orioles business is is proving to myself my own devotion through vampire hours on the West Coast. So one of my things for essential business is playful banter. And and Jake, Ooh. I'll I'll elaborate on this. This is the same kind of dialogue that we used to see uh, between Joe and Fred. But again, now it's Thorn and Palmer as the bequeathers, basically going forward of uh, playful banter where. Again, the game is well out of hand. It's only the sixth inning, and 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 Jim and Gary need to figure out how to fill the next hour and a half of playful <laughs> banter. So they'll go back and forth talking about things. They'll sing songs. They'll be dipping dots in the booth. Um, there'll be hats being put on. And in essence, you can sit there uh, while you are, in essence, saying, well, there's nothing else to do, so I might as well watch this. And in essence, enjoy uh, the playful banter back and forth. 
The things that I don't want anymore from a non-essential business standpoint that looks like it has been taken care of is when I have um, Jim Hunter and Mike Bordick in the booth talking to me about how a player who should not be on the team is really putting forth a great amount of effort and is really a team player out there. That's the kind of playful banter that I don't need as a as a as an Orioles fan. It's non-essential business. Non-essential. Well, let me uh, let me share with you some more uh, some more of my non-essential business. I find spending we'll call it quality time with Red Sox and Yankees fans at Camden Yards non-essential business. Now, opening day notwithstanding. I, as, as a ridiculous Orioles fan, do give pause to do I want to be in the stadium with those vermin while their team beats the pants off of my team and have to deal with the taunting? Spending time with the, and it's usually the transplants uh, or the, the, uh, the turncoats, rather. It's not the transplants and it's not the, uh, it's not the folks that are traveling. It's really the turncoats that are the problem. But I do not enjoy spending time with Yankees and Red Sox fans at Camden Yards. Jake, I'll give you one of my last essentials versus non-essential. It is essential for me as an Orioles fan to know when it's done. It's going to be that moment, the sixth or the seventh inning, where they, in essence, just gave up a three-run homer, and they come up to the plate, and they go down within seven pitches, where I'm just like, well, there's no chance they're going to come back in this game, and I can turn the game off and save myself some sleep and go to bed. The non-essential part of me as an Orioles fan is saying, what if they could come back? What if tonight's the night everything shifts? What if tonight is the time that Orioles magic actually happens? And that's when I lose sleep. And at the very end of the night, I get to the bottom of the ninth inning and I watch them strike out and I see Tom Davis's face. And I say to myself, God, I'm such an idiot. That's what I don't (laughs) need. That's my non-essential as an Orioles fan. See, I I think I'm going to have to argue with you here. Because one of my bits of essential business in being an Orioles fan is falling in love with a team that is otherwise unlovable. And I'm going to use your own experience against you, Scott. Do you remember the, the game? I don't remember what year it is, but I, we discussed this at length at the time. Do you remember the game in San Francisco when they were behind and Jonathan Scope came back and hit the home run in the ninth inning to bring them back? You were in bed at the time and either had woken back up or, or whatever, but you celebrated as quietly as possible so as not to disturb the missus. That was a moment that you otherwise would have missed by turning the game off in a huff in the sixth inning. If you, if you make it to those moments, you will unwillingly fall in love with an unlovable team. That's true. Um, there are those instances uh, when it happens. Um, however, um, just because you win once, it doesn't make up the aspect of losing a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> are you saying that I'm a sucker? Is that what I'm hearing? What I'm saying as an American university graduate, you should be used to losing. <laughs> it's true, especially against the seven seed. I cannot believe it. Okay. Uh, I have one last essential bit of Orioles business. And it is this. The Baltimore Orioles are a team that I love, but I love them because they are the thing that binds me in some ways to family and friends, uh, both the close kind and the extended birdland kind. 
you know, one of the, the things that my grandfather and I bonded over was watching Orioles games. We would watch the Orioles on a big TV, you know, the, the big uh, TV with the wooden frame where the sound wasn't working with the radio on top playing the sound uh, because he refused to fix the, the sound. It was the way that I bonded with, um, you know, my parents. It's the way that I bond with my children, both with my son, Henry, who's crazy about baseball and, and my daughter, Madison, who could take it or leave it, but just likes being uh, at the ballpark and hanging out with me for, for several hours. It's definitely a way that I, I bond with my wife. It's a way that yeah, I bonded with my friend, Scott Magnus. The doing this podcast and caring about the Orioles has in, made us encounter so many people that we wouldn't have ordinarily met. And if we have gotten to know each other uh, via Twitter or by running into one another at, at the ballpark or because you listen to this stupid show, an essential bit of Orioles business is enjoying time with all of these people. And, you know, we are all kind of bonding in in the absence of Orioles baseball, but it's important to remember that, you know, the ball club at its best is this civic institution that many of us rally around to really cement a relationship that's already there. And so for me, essential business is experiencing the Orioles in a way that allows me to connect with people that I love. Man, what a garbage take that was. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. That is absolutely worst. I mean, if we could just sum up what a sports podcast is supposed to be, it is uh, that is the non-essential aspect of what a sports podcast are. And you know what? There has been a ton of terrible takes over the past few weeks and days as it relates to COVID-19 and everything like that. Let's break it down a little bit about some of our um, terrible takes on the Orioles, uh, and we'll be right back. Scott, we keep talking about COVID-19 because it, it's everywhere, right? It's inescapable. It literally is everywhere. <laughs> it's literally everywhere. Wash your damn hands. Um, but in response, the, the response to COVID-19 has, has really been quite an experience to, to behold. And some people, you know, took it really seriously at first, and some people have come around. And, and some of those people have really done a full 180-degree turn on the matter. And I applaud them because in our culture— it takes a lot to admit that you are wrong about something or that you changed your mind due to new information or, or simply just additional consideration, right? We are not wired in this particular climate to do that. And some people are willing to go to extreme lengths to avoid uh, saying that they were wrong, even with obvious evidence to the contrary. I, I would say that it is not a good look for us as humans, but we are, we are more and more becoming like that. And so it got me to thinking, what have I been absolutely wrong on when it comes to the Orioles or, or baseball in general? So I'd like to walk you through, Scott, a couple of my just straight hot garbage takes and allow you and, and the rest of our listeners to to mock me uh, furiously about them. So here's here's my first one. This is less Orioles specific and it is about baseball in general. But, Scott, there was a time that I was a strong believer that 
known and admitted steroid users should not get into the Hall of Fame. And I, I, that was a very strongly held opinion for a while. Um, and the more years that, that went on, I, I really softened on that opinion. And I've, I've come to the complete opposite uh, viewpoint now. And the thing that's interesting most to, to me about that is that it wasn't an Orioles emotional connection that did that. Because really, there are no Orioles during the, the, the you know, Mitchell Report period that were going to make the Hall. You know, Larry Bigby was not was not the thing that turned my mind. My dear love of Brian Roberts was not was not the thing. It was just something I, I thought a lot about and, and thought, you know, we we already have asterisks in the Hall of Fame. We already have, uh, you know, entries into the Hall of Fame that require context and this is is just like any of that. It's like the dead ball era. It's like the amphetamines. It's it's uh, like racial segregation. It is a moment in history that needs to be documented by the Hall of Fame Museum. Um, and the, you know, there's no reason why we can't have people who hit the ball really, really hard or threw the ball harder than anyone else in history in the Hall to, if not celebrate then at least document and tell the story of our game. Jake, one area that I think I can admit that I was wrong as it relates to the Orioles is 2018 preseason, right after the signing of Alex Cobb, we both said that it, there's a chance now that the Orioles could go on and win a wild card. <laughs> <laughs> we have never been further from the truth at that point, um, but we firmly believe that that was the spark that was going to uh, light the hope, light the rebellion, and uh, in essence begin the aspect of the one last chance for the Orioles to go out there and potentially get to the playoffs um, right before Manny Machado hitting free agency. And boy, were we wrong. We Oh, we, hopeful Jake and Scott. Yeah, we, where were you? We didn't even get out of April before that season was over. So, yeah, that was a situation um, where... Uh, again, it points to the fact that one player does not make a team, uh, and certainly the Orioles signing one pitcher uh, should have precluded us to basically be more rational in our approach and uh, not decree that the Orioles were going to um, potentially be fighting for a spot for a wild card. Brutal. Brutal. Well, you know, uh, for my next one, I will point out that there is now you know, nine years of our opinions on uh, you know, on digital tape, so to speak. Uh, nobody listens to the show, and certainly nobody goes back many years to to see what our opinion was back then. But in our our pre-recording days, I had a pretty hot garbage take that I would like to confess to, um, and that is that I thought that 2011 was going to be the start of something special. You know, we had had so many crappy years in a row at that point. I thought, and you know. I'm trying to remember, was this the year that, that Matt Wieters was supposed to debut? Am I, am I in the right ballpark? I, I don't remember what it was. 2010 was Wieters off the top of my head. Okay. So maybe, maybe I was thinking, Oh, it's, you know, he'll have a year under his belt or whatever. But I, I thought they had, they had lost 66 games the previous year. And I thought, you know, I don't think they're going to, they're going to win this year, but I think that they're going to, you know, win 75 games between 75 and 80 games 
and and really show that they're making all the strides to get back to contention. I thought that 2011 was really going to be a, a statement year. I, again, you know, not a, a winning season, but it, it was going to be the, the start of something. And it wasn't. They they lost. You know, they won 69 games, uh, and that led me to the hopelessness uh, of where we started in 2012. But man, I, I was really heartbroken by that 2011 season because I, I was convinced, uh, and you know, who, who the, who the heck knows why, but I was convinced that 2011 was going to be better. Jake, as a kid, um, you know, I was looking for, um, that next star for the Orioles. Obviously Cal Ripken was already there, but I was looking for that next individual that I could basically grow up with, with Cal. Uh, and I basically picked one and I said, well, let me take a look at the pitchers that are available right now. And I had the choice between Ben McDonald and Mike Mussina. And I said, well, I'm looking, looking at their pedigrees and everything like that. And I really feel like Ben McDonald is going to be the guy. I feel like he's going to be a great pitcher. Uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know, follow his career and buy a bunch of his stuff and buy a bunch of his baseball cards. And, you know, this Mike Mussina guy, you know, he's probably going to be like a number two or number three. But, you know, he'll help out along the way. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. Um, and again, uh, quickly, as of 1993, uh, I quickly turned back and said, wow, Mike Mussina really is the ace um, that we needed for this team. Um, ben McDonald being even the number one pick, um, they never come close to the potential that I thought he was going to be. Now, to your credit, Messina did help out along the way. He, he did help out along the way, including in New York. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. Here's my next terrible, terrible opinion. I <laughs> I thought that Jake Arrieta would figure it out in orange and black, right? I knew the potential was there. We all knew that he had special, special talent, and that if he could just harness it, he he could be he could be good. I don't know that I thought great, but I knew that he would be good. And so every season that went by. You know, I thought, okay, eventually he's gonna, he's got to figure it out. And and as it strung along further, I, I started to quietly hope, like, oh well, maybe because he's been so terrible along the way, you know, he'll be easy to to you know resign or get back on the cheap, and then you know he'll put it all together, and 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 yeah, ha 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 ha, we'll have the the, the good Jake Arietta. Obviously, it didn't didn't happen. Um, and I, I, I hoped too long. So, Jake, uh, another one that, um, you know, similar to someone being signed that I, I thought was going to do better than he actually did um, was when Sammy Sosa was signed by the Baltimore Orioles in the winter of 2005, I thought to myself, man, this is going to be the spark that potentially puts the Orioles over the edge. They're finally going to have a winning season. They're finally going to do it with Tejada and Brian Roberts and all these folks. You know, Sosa doesn't have to be like the MVP player like he was before. He just needs to go out there and be, you know, moderately productive. I mean, if you looked at seasons before with the Cubs in 2002, 2.8 war, 2004, 2.3 war. And then he comes to the Oros with a negative 1.4 war. Ouch. Um, yeah, I really thought Sammy Sosa wasn't going to be that superstar like he was before, but I thought he certainly was going to give the Orioles their first winning season in quite some time. So you were really hopeful about Sammy Sosa. I was hoping that Sammy Sosa was going to be like uh, a piece, just like a, like a Bobby Bonilla was back in the day um, for the <sighs> Orioles. 
Um, oh man, you know, not a great player, but you know, decent enough where it, he basically fills a gap within the lineup. I, I will I will say this, Scott. In the seven years between two thousand five and the beginning of our podcast, you got a lot smarter. I, I definitely <laughs> got a lot smarter and a lot more mature. No question about it. <laughs> uh, here is my last hot garbage take. My I, at some point I had the hubris, I had the, the ego to think that I had the ins- the insight and the credible opinion to start an Orioles podcast. And boy, howdy, that that failure of judgment has been laid bare week after week for year after year. And frankly, shame on me. Uh, Scotty, I asked you, you know, back in, in 2012, I was I was uh, had a really long commute. I asked you if there are any good Orioles podcasts out there. You should have just said no. And then, the, the you know, we, we saved everybody a lot of, of headache. This this could have been avoided if you had not let my hubris get in the way. Jake, I completely agree with you. And, you know, I should have said something at that time and said, Jake, this is a really bad idea. We shouldn't do this. But uh, I, I couldn't do that. But, Jake, I think we're overlooking uh, one of our most, um, our, our biggest issues as it is in terms of biggest miss. So, uh, again, Jake, the year is 2014, a momentous season, a great season. So you must be asking yourself, what could have gone wrong? What did we make a mistake on as it relates to everything? And, and Jake, I just I come back to thinking, we're just finishing up the ALDS series. We're riding at a high. We just swept the Tigers. You know, we took out three Cy Young winners and everything like that. Uh, and we're going in and you're facing the Kansas City Royals. And we are sky high and thinking to ourselves, yeah, it'll be a competitive c- series. But in the end, the Orioles are doing great. There's no way that they're going to give it up to the Kansas City Royals and they're going to enter into their first World Series. Yeah, you're, you're breaking my heart, Scott. You're you breaking my heart. It's it's hard now with with modern eyes to go back and look at that time. But you're right. I mean, I thought that was the season of destiny. I thought that this was finally, finally our year. And boy, was that heartbreaking. Well, with that depressing note, um, off of everything else that's going on in the world, why don't we go ahead and uh, blow the save? to go ahead and blow the save with uh, another comment about how great it has been to be a part of the Orioles Twitter community over the last couple of weeks. You know, I talked about how awesome it is to be connected to people over the baseball team. And last week we, we talked about the necessity of great content uh, over Twitter, you know, reminding us of the good times. There have been all sorts of, uh, Tweets, but also threads where folks have just been laying out great memories. Uh, Matt Kremnitzer is one of them. Uh, Ryan Blake is another. And I'm, I'm missing a ton. But it seems like every day I can go and scroll through and find you know, somebody who said, hey, remember this awesome uh, home run? Oh, that's great. Let me show you another 20 awesome home runs from the Orioles' good times in, uh, in, in the aughts. 
it's been a lot of fun to, to go back while there is no baseball and remember exactly how much joy baseball brings us. Uh, you know, today I, I fell down a rabbit hole of watching the entire bottom of the eighth from the Cal statue game, which stands out to me as simply one of the most enjoyable pieces of baseball that I was lucky to be there in person for. And it reminded me, wow, I do love this game way too much. I'm, I'm a grown ass man who uh, cares deeply about a baseball team. How ridiculous is that? And it is ridiculous, but it's also sincere and it's fun. So Birdland, thanks so much. Keep it up as we're all, you know, pacing our houses uh, trying to stay away from one another. Let's let's remain close. And you just keep posting those home runs. You just keep posting those great catches. And by all means, remind me of those crazy games that I've forgotten. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Birdseyeview is available for download wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. And please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond and do a do. Good night, Baltimore. Please be safe out there. Keep your social distance. And let's go O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.